Hey, this is Bruno from Birds in the Black. Just want to give you an intro to the podcast you're about to listen to is from Card Annals Episode 1, The Mission. It explains the founding of the professional baseball team that later would become the St. Louis Cardinals. It takes you from all the way back from 1800 up to 1874, telling you uh, the history behind everything that had to happen to all of a sudden make a professional baseball team show up in St. Louis. But... There's a 10-minute video that goes with this. So what you're listening to is the audio from that video. So some things may not make sense to you. Uh, if you can go to birdsontheblack.com, you can see the entire 10-minute video. And uh, it's going to show you a lot of really cool things, a lot of pictures you haven't seen before, a lot of discoveries we made in the research of this. Now, if you're interested in this sort of thing, we also have a podcast series coming out that goes way more in depth than just a 10-minute snippet, essentially, that you're going to hear. Uh, I think we have about 90 minutes of recordings to expand on the 10 minutes you're going to hear. So we hope you enjoy this. We hope you watch the video. There's also a blog that goes along with it. And, um, and if you're interested in Cardinals history at all, we invite you to try it out. And I believe if you do try it out, you're going to want to come back for more. So let us know what you think. Anyway, without any further ado, here's episode one of Card Annals. St. Louis, May of 1817. A group of the wealthiest and most prominent citizens, finding the soil untenable and the smell unpleasant, evacuated to the west and founded Eagleton. Okay, this is actually a joke in the NBC show Parks and Recreation, but it's pretty darn close to the reality of St. Louis in the 1850s. Except actually, St. Louis was much more horrific. But the resulting profits helped bring professional baseball. So, I'm Bruno with Birds on the Black, and this is Card Annals. just how the Cardinals got here, you've got to go back, and I mean way back, to 1803 when Thomas Jefferson was President of the United States. You see, in 1800, Spain signed a treaty with France, giving them the Louisiana Territory, including a small fur-trapping settlement named St. Louis. France now had a stronghold in the New World, and that sucked, because Jefferson didn't want to go to war, and his new neighbor had a bit of a Napoleon complex. Luckily, there was a massive slave rebellion in Haiti, and Napoleon needed funds to quell the uprising. Jefferson was more than happy to give Knapp a cool $15 million in exchange for the entirety of the Louisiana Purchase. That's right, he doubled the size of the country for $15 million. Considering the Cardinals got a few terrible months of Greg Holland for $14 million, I think we can all agree that TJ would have made a great GM. Everyone knows that Jefferson sent Lewis and Clark to explore the New World, but not as well known because it was a secret. Jefferson also sent a Frenchman named Jean-Baptiste Charles Lucas to explore the New Territory to find out who the people there would be loyal to if they went to war. In 1805, Lucas arrived in St. Louis, where he found a city selling luxurious furs located at the mouth of two major rivers, and he said, Hello, investment! Papa is gonna make some coin! So he bought St. Louis. Okay, not all of it, but basically all of it. Because you can do that sort of thing when the president makes you commissioner of land claims. Guess what? He became rich, like filthy rich, like it's 2020 and you're never going to be as rich as this guy was, 
200 years ago, folks go into politics. Years later, he gave away a small portion of his holdings to the city of St. Louis so they could build a courthouse. You've probably seen it. Anyway, Lucas died in 1842, making his son James and daughter Anne very, very rich. Later, in 1849, a massive fire wiped out much of downtown St. Louis. Oh, and also one-tenth of the population died from a cholera epidemic. Blaming the conditions on the poor and unwashed masses, the rich were basically like, whoa, we gotta get away from these gross BFIB. And as a result, Lucas develops the first deed-restricted housing in St. Louis, just outside the city at that time, and he called it Lucas Place, which became the place to be in St. Louis in the following decades, and it made he and his sister unbelievably wealthy. You can still visit Lucas Place. There's one house still remaining, the Campbell House, and you can see why it's much more desirable than dying in a fire while suffering from cholera. Meanwhile, in 1859, another James Lucas invested in a new company called the Missouri Glass Company with Ed Bridell and his son, Ed Bridell Jr. That opened up shop here, between Pine and Olive Street on what is now Broadway. There they hired a man who had spent the last two years playing under the new rules of baseball in New York named Merritt Griswold. Along with Ed Jr., they forged a friendship at the Missouri Glass Company and created the first specifically baseball team in St. Louis, the Cyclone Club, where they practiced in the field next to Bridell's house that happened to be Lafayette Park. The birth of baseball, that small company Lucas helped invest in, you can still invest there today. The building is long gone, but the approximate location is now an Edward Jones investment office. Yeah, that Edward Jones. It's all fate, people. It's all fate. St. Louis had its first amateur team, but as we all know, it's no fun to play with yourself. So Griswold taught baseball to town ball teams, and soon St. Louis had their first ever baseball game here, at the fairgrounds between the Cyclone Club and the Morning Stars, a victory for the Morning Stars. The fairgrounds still exist today. You can walk in the footsteps of where the first game of baseball played in St. Louis took place. The Civil War halted many of the amateur baseball teams, didn't help that Ed Burdell Jr. was killed in action, but the Civil War did bring about the Jerfrain myth. Jeremiah Fruin, as was his actual name, was stationed in St. Louis by the Union Army in 1861. There he went not to Lafayette, but to Gamble Lawn, where he did show locals better ways to play baseball, saying, No, I don't claim to have been the first to introduce baseball in St. Louis, but I was perhaps the first to show the boys how to catch the ball easily rather than by fighting it, how to trap the ball, to make a double play, and that sort of thing. Too bad Fruin couldn't teach the Braves fans the rule for the infield fly. The Civil War helped spread baseball throughout the country, and by 1869 it had its first professional team the Cincinnati Red Stockings. The Red Stockings barnstormed their way across the country to an undefeated record of 65-0. Wanting a team of their own to take down their local rivals, Chicago raised $20,000 to form the Chicago White Stockings in 1870. The White Stockings warmed up against amateur teams, playing their first game against the St. Louis Unions and beating them 47-1. It wouldn't get much better for St. Louis. Besides beating the Unions 47-1, they beat the Empires 36-8, they beat the Empires 46-10, they beat the Atlantics 46-8. In 1871 came more bludgeoning. They beat the Atlantics 
they beat the Empires 34-8. God then tried to help out St. Louis with the Great Chicago Fire, which burned their stadium and most of their equipment. But from the ashes, the White Stockings came back in 1874. They beat the Empires 24-2. They beat the Red Stockings 6-0. They beat the Empires 6-4. They beat the Turners 22-5. They beat the Empires 30-9. They beat the Red Stockings 31-10. They beat the Empires 21-10. They beat the Red Stockings 39-13. They beat the Red Stockings 15-0. They beat the Red Stockings 14-7. They beat the Red Stockings 17-3. They beat the Empires 13-0. St. Louis was embarrassed. Chicago, their biggest trade rival, had stomped them, absolutely stomped them in baseball. And so 50 baseball-interested leaders met here at the Southern Hotel on September 22, 1874 and decided to sell these certificates to fund a professional baseball team. Their goal was to raise $10,000. They ended up raising $20,000. So it's the Southern Hotel that professional baseball was born in St. Louis. What happened to the Southern Hotel? Can you visit this historic landmark? Well, maybe you already have. A few years later, it burned down, was rebuilt, later demolished, and now today, it is the majestic Stadium East parking garage for the St. Louis Cardinals. Wow, beautiful, full circle. The president of the new team would be a former St. Louis amateur player named J.B.C. Lucas II. Yeah the grandson of the man that shaped St. Louis, and the son of the man who created Lucas Place. So that meant when Daddy died, he got a tremendous inheritance. So what did the grandson and son of the two men who shaped St. Louis do with his money? He shaped St. Louis by helping found professional baseball. Fate all ties together. And those investors, were they ready to cash in on baseball? No. Baseball was hardly a lucrative sport during the centennial. Instead, as described by a member of the Brown Stockings Board of Directors, C. Orrick Bishop, they, quote, didn't expect to make any money. Instead, their purpose was, quote, civic pride. Yeah, you heard right. An owner of a St. Louis baseball team wasn't in it to make money. They wanted something called civic pride. What does civic pride mean exactly? It meant competing with Chicago. As explained by the Post-Dispatch, quote, Chicago could ill-brook Cincinnati's success in the diamond field, and St. Louis in turn desires to lower the standard of arrival. Let's be very clear here. The Chicago White Stockings are not today's Chicago White Sox. Instead, they became the Chicago Orphans and later the Chicago Cubs. And St. Louis's first professional team founded here, the St. Louis Brown Stockings, no matter what the current franchise claims as their foundings, I will show you that there is a direct lineage between this team and the St. Louis Browns, who became the St. Louis Perfectos, and finally the St. Louis Cardinals. What this means is that the St. Louis Cardinals were not created to make money, they were not created to win championships, they were not created to be competitive year in and year out, as nice as all of those might be. No, they were created to beat the dirty, stinking, mother-bleeping, monkey-licking, draft-dodging, purple-monkey, dishwasher, slime-scum-bucket, algae-eating, antichrist, the Chicago Cubs. That is their mission. That is why the Cardinals exist. That is what you as a fan can take pride in, that your team is here with one mission in mind, make Chicago miserable. <sighs> Excuse me, I, I got a little turned on there. 
next time on Card Annals. The 1875 St. Louis Brown Stockings. Professional baseball begins in St. Louis, and they have their first showdown with Chicago. Bye now.